Mike. Hey. There you go. How do I sound? You sound fine. Okay, good, because I have my mic this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you're recording now, too. And I'm recording now, too, finally. Because last time, I did, did you, we didn't see that. You didn't see it. This makes the second time we've done this. Can you hear my cheer squeak? Yeah, but that don't matter. Okay, all right, okay. Well, this is going to be a podcast and a video vlog, both. How did your meeting go? Oh, um, oh actually, wait, wait, before before you talk about that, I want to I want to welcome you to my podcast. Um, this is my fourth. The actually is my fifth because I recorded you last time without recording you. Yeah, <laughs> we did a whole well, that was rehearsal. That was rehearsal. That was yeah. rehearsal. So I know all the questions to ask you now because I didn't um, know that much about you. Now I do. But anyway, how did oh. you? Thank you for coming and um, thank you for getting up this early. Wait, the um, yesterday's meeting. Mm -hmm. um like i can't say too much about it but um i wrote a movie script i don't know maybe a year ago and i wrote it together with a co-written by a pretty famous uh hollywood director mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we you know wrote half and half and uh he looks like he sold it all right that's good right. <laughs> but uh so so the meeting yesterday was um with that other director and two lawyers Okay. Right. And a guy in the UK, but it, it ended after like, I don't know, only about an hour and a half. That's why you were finished at 7.55. You call, I think you sent a message. I didn't see it till the evening. Oh, okay. You said that you could do it. And I, I was thinking, wait, is that 7.55 in the evening that he wrote? And I looked, so I realized that my clock's on 24 hour time. So it was actually seven. Yeah. I couldn't have done yeah. it anymore because I had other stuff set up since I knew we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's okay. I plan for this. I just thought maybe maybe you 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 had it set up already, and I don't know. No, no, I wouldn't have. No, no. Mm. But anyway, so thank you for doing this again. Let me see. Where, where do we leave off? Last time you were telling me about. We we won't. We'll end with that. I think we'll end with what you did before. Rain dance. Uh huh. Which oh, rain dance. Cool. Rain dance film festival runs October twenty eighth till November seventh. Okay. In London, and it's going to be online. Okay. So all you have to do is. Um, search uh rain dance film festival and then you can find the link to, to watch the film festival online mm -hmm. and i'm a now you, a that up. you told me that's going to be all free you mentioned that that's going to be all free this time rain dance is not free not rain dance rain, yeah the rain dance that you have on the site will all be free for viewing no no that's not that's not rain dance that's j-i-f-f -F. oh teach me come on okay wait so rain rain dance is a uh like one of the world's premier uh, reputation, really, very, very, very high um, film festivals. So their film festival, I think it costs about twenty dollars to watch the films. Okay. So you can you can sign up for that right now. Just go to their website and look for the uh, online and the messaging there. They have they have maybe two hundred and fifty films. Wow. And. Um, my film festival is called JIFF, Japan Indies Film Festival. That's going to run November 16th through November 17th, only two days. Right. And I, I can get into that, why that is, but um, it's going to be free. Everything is free. So you can watch 24 really, really good movies. And some of these movies have won awards at other, like best film at other film festivals. Okay. But um. Uh, on JIFF, it will be the world premiere, uh, Japan premiere of these films. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can go, go online and just um, Facebook, Twitter, the link is everywhere, like right. today, right, right now. And um, you can just go and sign up and it's free. Everything's free. The reason why it's free. Okay, so let me explain that. Um, I had run some big film festivals here in Japan. Mm-hmm. I can't really say too much about that either, but um, I didn't like, um, <clears throat> well, it just kind of bothered me how the Japanese staff were fighting all the time. Okay. And um, so finally, last end of last year, I decided to run my own film festival mm-hmm. and do it exactly the way Raindance does things. Raindance is a true indies film festival. And in Japan, the film festivals all in Japan are not world circuit. I don't even think there's a, a film festival in Japan that's rated in the top 200 in the world. Okay. Um, even like a Tokyo International Film Festival, mm-hmm. I had heard that they lost $800,000 last year. And they only had 100 visitors. Now, why? Because they didn't promote it well or what? No, it's just a it's just um a big industry get together thing. Okay. You can't enter the film festival right. if you're an independent film festival. They won't accept your films. Mm-hmm. All the films are invitations from the the people who run Tokyo International Film Festival. So, um, so if you wanted to get in there, you need to know some of those people. Yeah, that's right. Okay, if you know the people, so it's by contact. It's who you know. Yeah, and that's the problem with Japanese film festivals. They're all that way, basically. Okay. So um, Raindance um, is 28 years old, and um, it is a true indie film festival. They do not pay people to be jury members or judges or working staff. Some staff get paid, but most of the people are volunteers. Mm-hmm. And um, Japanese film festivals, though, will pay people like, uh, $1,500 to be a jury member. Okay. And it's just crazy. So, um, the, and the reason why is, let's say you do a film festival like in um, Shibuya or whatever, the Shibuya government will pay, will give you, you know, 5 million yen or 10 million yen mm-hmm. to run the film festival, but they'll turn around and say, but we want famous people coming. Right, right. So, so if you want, Tarantino to show up at your film festival, you got to pay him. Okay. And that's going to cost $3,000, $5,000 at least. I mean, for hotel, airfare, everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Raindance doesn't pay anyone. Okay. But their respect is so high that um, people will show up at their film festival. So Tarantino um, premiered his uh, movie Pulp Fiction right. at Raindance. And um, I can't remember what, what his name is. Another very famous director, the guy who did Batman. Okay. He premiered his early films uh, at Raindance, and he, he used to be like this really low-budget film director, but now he's doing these, you know, $150 million budget films. So, how does Raindance Rain compare to Cannes Festival? Um, Cannes is probably the number one film festival in the world. Okay. Rain dance is considered the number four or number 10, depending on who you talk to film festival in the world. But as far as Indies film festival, rain dance is number one. Okay. And 
don't don't think that indies means cheap or, or bad because like i just said tarantino started that way uh wait i can tell you what his name is just a second um he did uh he did the batman movies mm-hmm. with, um i got it right here um this guy uh oh yeah christopher nolan christopher nolan okay yeah he did the batman movies he's won five academy awards he started out at rain dance hmm. and that's how he got his big break so and there's there's so many that i can name last year they had the monty python guys all show up at the film festival and they show up as guests they're not being paid to be there yeah. and they they show up because they want to be seen and everybody knows rain dance is really cool i mean michael so Mm. All right, but I haven't said anything. I, I'm thinking about people listening to this podcast too, and I shouldn't be thinking about that. Yes, I should be. We're talking to Michael Rogers, who's been yeah. in Japan for how long have you been here, Michael? Thirty-six years. Thirty-six years in Japan. Yeah. You you were born and raised in the U.S. Yes. Okay. You yeah. Come from, you come from California. Yeah, originally. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. And one older brother, one younger brother. Yes, unfortunately. Right? American father, Japanese mother. <laughs> yes. Yes. My mother died 25 years ago. My father died, I don't know, five or six years ago. Five or six years ago, right. So I have no reason to go back to the United States anymore. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and why? Why? Because you have family. Oh, you're married and have a family here, right? Yeah, I have uh, four kids. Four kids. And yeah. You, you have what, two girls, two boys? No, uh, three girls and one boy. Okay. So the oldest, yeah, three girls. The oldest girl is 35 Mm -hmm. and my son is 16. Okay. (laughs) But he's about to be 17. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) He's still living with you, of course. Yeah. um, Oh, okay. Let me brag about my son. Um, He goes to British school. I had my sons there too. I had them there for the first three years. Oh, that's good. I sure did. The, the British school had only been open for three years. Margaret Thatcher came here to christen it when it opened. Oh, that's well, right. anyway, so they had um, a big um, all of Japan um, competition, and they have a big concert with a, with a full orchestra, and some famous guy comes from e- England to conduct the orchestra, and they had the audition for who does the solo piano. Okay. And they always pick a student from their school. And my son was chosen Mm. to be the solo pianist. But he's won. He's won best child pianist in Japan uh, twice. And he's been in the top five, I don't know, four or five times. When did you start him on the piano? Uh, When he was, well, actually when he was like six months old. Because my wife is a concert pianist too. So she started off doing Ditomic, you know what that is? You know, the moms dance with, yeah, the moms dance with the kids and, and learn the rhythm. Right. So I the, know the Suzuki method. I know the Suzuki yeah. method where. So her, the piano school he went to, if you don't do Ditomic from six months old, they won't accept you. Wow. So he basically started piano when he was four or so. Okay. Did she do the same thing with your daughters? Nah. Th- my daughters, you know, they like guitar or they like violin. And then when you, when you have to practice and they don't like that, 
okay. part. So they dropped off and my, my wife doesn't play the guitar or play the, the violin or anything. So nobody to play with at home. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So that, that's why uh, that's come out. So this uh, next year in June, the whole British community in Japan gets together for this big, big concert concerto. Mm-hmm. And my son will be the solo pianist at okay. it. At the Showa campus, obviously. No, I, I think they have it at a big place. Like, um, oh, they go, they go it, to a different place. Okay. Yeah, it, it's just like he, a twelve. He's at the Showa campus because they have the Shibuya campus and the Showa campus. So I think yeah. Shibuya campus is up to year three, I guess, or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Year one or two, something like that. So let let me say about the British school. My my, I've had kids go to Seisen, okay, and St Mary's. And wait, 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 wait! How could you have three girls and your son? Your son went to St. Mary's as well. Yes, until okay, so high school, and then we switched. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you, wait, 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 wait! Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, let me get this straight. You have three daughters. Now they could. St. Yes. Mary's is all boys' school. That's why I'm. Yes, yes. St. Right. is girls' school. Right, and your son's Still at the British school now. Yes, but he went to St. Mary's. Yes. Okay. St. Mary's is an excellent school until junior high school. Okay. It really is. And the principal, I think he's retired now, was a guy named uh, Jim Langsdorf or something like that. I knew Brother Andrew years ago. That would have been your time and my time for school. Yeah. And um, he's a really good, really good principal, and he ran ran things really strictly. Mm -hmm. But then when, when high school started, and I, I don't really want to talk about this too much, but um, we had meetings with teachers and the teacher, one, the history teacher says, um, well, we're going to, you know, start off with the uh, French Revolution, the Restoration, uh, the Habsburgs, World War One, the Industrial Revolution, uh, World War Two, and the Cold War. And then we're going to wrap that all up and talk about global warming. <laughs> And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Did you just say you're going to talk about global? What does that have to do with history? <laughs> okay. And he got really scared and said, oh, well, you know, and, and I said, I, you know, I'm, I don't really care, but, you know, I just want my kid to get a fair education. That's it. Right. I'm not into indoctrination and things like that. So we went to British school and talked to them and the principal there is a very serious guy. No messing around. <laughs> and, um, we switched him to British school and he's very happy there. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I chose the British school because I had my son first at the American school in Japan. Mm-hmm. I had him there for nursery school. And I thought that was a lot of money to be paying at that time and any time mm-hmm. for kids just to take naps and play. Yeah. They weren't learning. They weren't teaching them anything. So at the British yeah. school from the start off. So that's why I had mm-hmm. my next two sons go there. They started teaching them cursive and printing. They had mm-hmm. to read three books a day, even the children's yeah. books, they had to bring them. And the parents were supposed to accompany them with it to make sure it happened. And they yeah. just really started programming these kids. And I loved it. They were yeah. giving them information so they could work with something. Yeah, the, um, playtime, playtime. The, British school, the British school is very serious mm-hmm. about education. They are. And that was, that was the whole point. And I, it, it does cost a lot of money. It does. Tell me about it. You're paying a college tuition for elementary school. It's equivalent to <laughs> you're paying, paying two, three thousand dollars. You know, twenty, thirty thousand yeah. dollars. I'm talking about a year. 
That's, yeah. not, that's no joke. No. No joke. Twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year for elementary school. Come on. Yeah. So wait. So the, at at um, St. Mary's, the one more teacher who was an English teacher. Mm -hmm. She said something like the, the history teacher said. I can't remember what it was. And I raised my hand. Here's here's a room with this teacher, and there's all these like big company executives, presidents of companies, and their wives. Right. You know, right. Indian, Chinese, Koreans. A couple of there were a few ca Caucasians there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said to her, "Wait a minute. Are you suggesting you're going to teach our kids leftist ideology?" And she oh. said, "I, I kind of thought." You've got to be crazy," she said. "Well, I am a, uh, I am a socialist and a feminist." What? And, <laughs> yeah, and I thought, no, you got to be crazy to say this in a room full of capitalists. <laughs> so, anyways, I complained to the, the management at the school, but nothing ever happened. So I just said, "Forget this." Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, you, you're a kid, you're a kid only once. And if your parents don't do their best to get you a, a good education, then, you know, what are you going to do when you're, you know, you're only like um, eight years old one year, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's true. So, that's true. So anyways, he's I, very I happy. Most of the, the kids in our community, being in the expat community, are very lucky because their parents, first of all, it's not an economic situation for them. They don't have a concern. They yeah. can take care of whatever it costs for them to go to school. And I always tell parents, be careful who's teaching your kids because yeah. they're not just teaching the subject they're supposed to teach. They're teaching you, your kids their feelings and how they, they can't take it out of it. So find out who's going to be planting these seeds in your kids' heads. Yeah. And that's what I did with each one of my kids to make sure, each one of my sons to make sure that they were guided in the proper way. That yeah. they were, like you did, to make sure they're not be taught and taught ideologies that, that just don't match with their fathers and their mothers and the society that they're going to grow up in. Well, I don't, you know, if the kids come to that ideology, that's, that's, on, their own. That, that, that's on them. And right. there's nothing I can say because I was like a hardcore communist when I was in college. Okay. And then I, I got a lot of money from the California government to go to school okay. <laughs> because I'm half Japanese. Right. This is how, how ridiculous this is. And so they gave me all this money and okay, I'll buy it. I'm sure it's past the statute of limitations. They used to pay me $8,000 to go to college a year. Wow. And I would take that eight, get that $8,000 check and then I would cash it and take $2,000 and then come to Japan like in December every year and just screw around and then go back to college and just starve and, you know, do my best. But um, I realized then that this is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The government cannot do this. And I thought it was very un unfair. Started thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And my thinking has totally changed. Um, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, mm -hmm. but I'm certainly not a communist right. or a socialist. That's for sure. Wow. So tell me more about, you can tell me more about what you do because you didn't say anything about that. You just jumped right into, because we talked before and that's yeah. why I liked our first podcast. And it's yeah, not yeah. fair to the people that are listening that I didn't record. Oh, okay. But at the, what do you do and how did you get started doing it? Because you've been here for 26 years, you said, right? 36 years. 30, 36 years, 36 yeah. years. And you came over here because, why? Oh. I came over here because I was working as a stockbroker at Prudential Beige. Okay. I made a lot of money. 
I was 25 years old. I bought a four bedroom house. I had two cars and um, my bosses, you ever see that movie, Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street or whatever it's called? Yes. Yes. Those guys were like my bosses. Okay. So anyway, lots of, lots, lots of things happened. And um, a lot of things made me wonder like, "Mm, this is not so good. But the final last straw, there was this woman named Yolanda Lopez. She was 40 years old. I handled all her accounts and um, she had a stroke. Okay. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. She had a 10 year old son and a husband who didn't drink or smoke. She had a stroke. So I went to see her after she got out of the hospital and the left side of her body was uh, paralyzed. Right. And I could tell that she was so embarrassed because she wanted to put her hand on their table and she had to take her right hand and lift up her left mm-hmm. hand and put it on the table. And I felt so sorry for her. And um, I really got along with this family well. And I even took one of their cat's babies. Okay. You know, you don't take a cat's baby from someone without having like some kind of, you know. Emotional feeling with them, yeah. Yeah, so um, after after that happened, I explained to her California law. It said all of these like annuities and things like that. You don't have to pay any more money in them. You don't have to pay anything. They're fully paid off because this has happened to you. And so I think maybe, and this is like 1982 or so, um, it was like almost a quarter million dollars just fell in her lap that day. So I go back to the office and my boss, my boss is the, there's the district boss and then the assistant district boss and my boss there. And they're like, well, tell us what happened with Yolanda Lopez. And I said, well, I, I told her the law and I explained to her that everything's hers and and um, she doesn't have to pay anything. Mm-hmm. They were so upset. You have to think about the company and what's good for the company. And I said, isn't doing right by people what's good for the company? And so they said, we're going to, no, we're going to go back and see her. And then we went back and saw her and they lied to her. Mm-hmm. And they they told her like, take, take a bunch of that money and buy another life insurance policy. This is a life insurance policy to someone who's already had a stroke. So, you know, the premiums are super expensive. So after that happened and I was like 25, 26 years old, you knew that was wrong. Yeah. And I was totally psychologically dominated by these 50, 60 year old guys, you know? So after that happened, I got so upset and I went home and I think I drank for three days. And then I just said, I'm quitting. I'm not going to do this job anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I went back to see Mrs. Lopez and I explained everything to her. I told her, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't say anything, but they're older than me, you know? And um, I told her that uh, under California law, when they bring the new policies there, you have 15 days to deliver them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they're null and void. So when these people call you, don't talk to them. They come to the door of the house. Don't answer the door. Do not touch that policy paper. Do not allow them to hand hand that to you. You know what I and, just realized, Mike? You're talking about that. You, I think I'm looking at my mic. I'm trying to set up all this stuff now. If I have the mic on my computer playing while this mic is picking it up, what's that going to do? Is that going to create a double? No, no. Oh, so it's okay. Should be okay. Yeah. Right. So I I told her, absolutely, no matter what, Mm -hmm. do not talk to these people, never touch that paper. 
And um, I didn't go back to work for, I don't know, three or four or five days after that. You were so upset. um, Yeah, I was still upset. I just, you know, then maybe, maybe the 15 days had passed and I went back to work and they they were there and they were like really pissed off at me. Did -hmm. you tell her what to do and stuff like that? And I said, yeah, because you guys (laughs) lied. You guys should be in prison for doing that because that's totally against uh, securities and exchange law. Right. And I, I told them I, I quit and I walked out and I went fishing for like three months. (laughs) And um, the reason why I went fishing is because you get your commissions three months after. Right. Right. So if you sell stuff until April, the commissions you would get would be June, July, August. Right. So, that's what I did. And then I got sick of that. And then, you know, also um, the United States invaded Granada, mm-hmm. which I was very upset about. And um, I just kind of thought, nah, I'm just going to go move around. I'm going to go move to Japan for a couple of years, check it out. Then maybe go move to Italy and check it out. But I came to Japan and I had already been here five or six times and, because thank you, California government. But um, um, <clears throat> I just, uh, I really liked it here. And one month after getting here, I got a regular show on TV Tokyo. Wow. I couldn't speak a word of Japanese. And <laughs> but did you understand Japanese? Did your mother ever speak to you in Japanese when you were growing no, up? No, no, never. Never? She was so against me moving to Japan. Wait, so, you, so your mom, I understand, she was one of those Japanese that was fed up with Japan, didn't like the hierarchy, didn't like the way it was set up, didn't like the... Well, the... no, she was um, in Kyushu during the war. Okay. So she remembers Japan as just being like this bombed out place. Okay. And um, she hadn't been back there since 1950. Mm-hmm. And so um, her her whole family died in the war and she has no good memories of it but so after after i started on the tv show then i got a bunch of radio shows and and every i made a lot of money and every year i would pay for my parents to come here okay and after the i think the first time my 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 mom here came here she was shocked and And it's a change yeah this this is such a wonderful place (laughs) and i was like yeah i'm not going back there Wow. So, so did she? So I've been a radio DJ. I've okay. been a radio DJ. I'm I'm too old now to be on TV. Okay. But Why, I've do been a, Why do you say that? Because you look well, like you're in your 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 forties. You know, look like you're in your early forties. I eat raw food. Okay. So eating raw foods will make will make it happen. You're not a vegetarian. And I sleep a lot. Are you a vegetarian? Yeah, well, kind of a vegetarian, but mostly consider myself a raw fooder. I'll eat sashimi and stuff like that. Right. And it's not a religion. So I don't mind, you know, if let's say you say, let's go to lunch at the American club. And and have a hamburger. You'd you'd eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I probably wouldn't order a hamburger. I'd order a Cobb salad or something like that. But if it was like only hamburgers, okay, I'll eat it. Okay. No problem. Right. Not a problem in the world. But so anyway, I've been a radio disc jockey now since uh 1986 mm-hmm. and um 
I've been fired from every FM radio station in Tokyo. Fired? Now, what, fired. what were the reasons? Because of their... <laughs> no, it, it's because I'm not really, I'm not really like a, a, a company guy. You know what I mean? You know, FM... Are you trying to say you're not a good team player? You like to play... Uh, um, individual sports like tennis and and it, <laughs> yeah, I was in high school. I was a cross country runner. Okay, well that doesn't depend. Yeah, you don't. That doesn't depend on a whole lot of other people. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, I'd always liked independent music. Uh huh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we have to get into that too. I want to make sure that you play some of your music like you did the first time we were supposed to be doing this. I want you to do that again. That was nice. That so was um. I've always been into indies music and I would, every show I've ever had is typical Japanese radio show, you mm -hmm. know, Hey, let's go back in, in time. And here's, um, uh, what's it called? Van Halen. It's like, come on, everyone plays this stuff. This is not exciting at all. Okay. And I, I would always complain about that. So generally speaking, most of my radio shows have been canceled after maybe three years. Mm. So now I do what's called uh, the Mike Rogers show. Right. And it's on in 18 nations. I'm on two FM stations in Japan and total of 50, 57 stations. Mm -hmm. So, and that's over the internet. Yeah. Some of them, uh, well, two some stations are. are right. So it's over the internet, but I play Japanese indies music and I'm the only one in the world who, who does this. And, for some reason, that show's really popular. Okay. Well, tell, what, like, tell, for those that don't know, what's, what's um, indie's music? I mean, give well, us an example of what you play. <laughs> you mean you want me to play it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you did the girls that you played before, that, that famous group that you um, were telling, uh, you're telling me about that group. Well, here's a group that I think is really good. It's called Kelly Muff. And um, they're going to be, I have a New Year's show every year at a big club. It's free. Everything is free. Everybody gets in free, but you got to reserve your ticket. Otherwise, you won't be able to get in. Mm -hmm. And they're called Kelly Muff. And this is a Japanese band, but this girl can scream and wail. It reminds me of 1968 San Francisco or something like that. So you want me to play it now? Yes, please. Okay. Why isn't it playing? Wait a minute. Oh, there it goes. Here we go. So, so you can get it there, Lance. That's, this that's is a, not that's a like Japanese. That. That's a Japanese band, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's not like top forty um music i don't like that here's one more song okay this is a band that i i played and i posted this on facebook mm -hmm. and it had 
uh, 1.8 million views what? and um, 970 uh, shares. And this band is going to be. Oh, wait a minute. So I'll play this. This is called Sakuran Zensen. And. You see those people in you see those people in Japan walking around with green hair and purple hair and yeah, red, yeah, yeah. yellow hair. And you can tell a lot of times that they're band members because of the way that they'll dress. And they're going Yeah, or they're carrying a guitar. <laughs> right. They're carrying they're carrying an instrument. You can tell that too. So and you see so a lot this, of that around Shibuya and Meguro. Yeah. So this band, um, I played it and then it, it hit really big. This was like in the middle of August. And I heard the other day that Sony has signed them. Okay. So Sony's going to screw them up. <laughs> because that's completely different, right? Yeah. And, um, but hey, you know, that's the dream of a band. Make a band and they get signed by a major and, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. So, Did you ever yeah. belong to a band? You belong to a band. You told me once, right? Yeah, I belong to a band in um, Los Angeles. Uh, the band's oh, famous name, band. That's right. You told me it's a famous band. Yeah. Um, the band was called The Rodders. Mm -hmm. And our famous song was called Sit On My Face, Stevie Nicks. Right. And it, it was a monster hit. And it was played all over the United States, banned in a lot of uh, states. Mm -hmm. California, it was banned in California, banned on KROQ and all these. And I, we used to tour with like the Dead Kennedys. Mm -hmm. and Black Flag, mm -hmm. Fear, and bands like that. It, that was a really wonderful time. Right, and you were a singer. That, you were the singer, right? Were you yes, the lead I was singer? The singer? Yeah, I was the lead singer. Okay. <laughs> so um, that was actually how I got into radio. Right. That band was only around for about a year and three months, and, and those other guys were fighting all the time. So I quit, and then I told this very famous disc jockey in Los Angeles, Rodney Bingenheimer, Mm -hmm. on KROQ. Hey, Rodney, I'll be your assistant. You don't have to pay me. I'll walk around, carry your records, protect you from people and stuff like that. And he said, okay. So I did that for two years. And Rodney introduced me to so many famous people. Like he introduced me to Phil Spector, Blondie, um, the Ramones. Um, I, I mean, I can't even think of, think of so, 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 so many famous musicians. Mm -hmm. And Phil Spector, you know who Phil Spector is, yes, right? Yes. Okay, so Phil Spector, he came, it, it wasn't Christmas, but maybe a couple of days before Christmas in 1980. Mm -hmm. And so in the studio, there's this red light that blinks when someone's at the door. So Rodney says, Mike, go answer the door and, you know, let, let, it, let him in or whatever. So up till that time, it had always been punk bands who'd come to visit Rodney, guys, leather jackets, leather pants, everything, the whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought, um, all right, fine. So I go to the door and I'm expecting like the clash or something like that. I open the door. Here's this one guy standing there and it looks like my dad. Right. And he's wearing just regular clothes and stuff. And I was like really snotty, like, who are you? 
what do you want? And he was like, oh, um, I'm, I'm here to see Rodney. He asked me to come on the show today. And I was like, oh, okay, come on in. So he came in, went into the studio, started talking. And I'm outside cleaning up, you know, straightening out records and stuff like that. And they're talking and they start talking about the Beatles and let it be and stuff like that. And I, I'm like, here, listen to this. I'm like, the Beatles, let it be. He produced Let It Be, and uh, he produced Let It Be and all those famous 50s bands and everything. And I was like, oh, oh no, I was really rude to him. Guy screwed up. Mm-hmm. So when it was over, you know, I, I, I took him out and I was really nice to him. But he, he, was, a, he was a nice guy. He wasn't yeah. mean well, to me. You didn't know who he was at the beginning. And he realized when you did realize, you gave him the respect he, he was due. So. Oh. That's right. Thanks. Thanks, Lance, for <laughs> fixing that right. for me. So anyway, so I've been doing um, uh, online radio. On the re- on the, I've been doing online radio for about a year and two months now. And you've been on some of the big shows. You've been, I mean, you said you were on Inner FM, right? Yeah. yeah. I was on Inner FM for 23 years. That's right. Inner FM. I, then I listened to you because I used to listen to um, Inner FM from the beginning, from the onset. Because I was so oh, yeah. happy they had an English-speaking FM station. Because when I first came here, there weren't any. Then you definitely know my show called Good Morning Garage. That was, that was great. Yes. That, that was my show. show. Yes. I was the director, producer, writer for that show. Right. And that was the biggest, most famous show that station has ever had. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that ended like, I don't know, three and a half years or so. Mm. Yeah. Because upper management changes, when upper management changes, they want everything to change. And mm-hmm. so anyhow, yeah, that was a, that was a good time. Yeah. So there was, that was, um, that had to be, was that in the eighties in the eighties when they started this, started inner FM? I think- no, inner FM started in 1999, I believe. Oh, it was 99. Okay. 99. Okay. So- wow, that was late. Wait, wait, hold on. What was I listening to? Because they, oh, I had to listen to, of course, I was listening to the Armed Forces Radio because that's all we had. There was an English, basically, until the InterFM and those stations, a couple of FM stations came on. Line. Yeah. InterFM's totally changed now, and it's mm-hmm. basically a Japanese station. Right. So well, see, they can't, they can't, I know, I would assume they can't get the kind of advertisement they got at the beginning because now with everybody going online to get all of their music needs. No one's listening to radio. No, actually no one is. And the cost of running an FM radio station is huge. There's 38 million people in Tokyo and there's only five free FM stations. Okay. And um, the government will- You said five free? Yeah, free. What I mean is privately run radio stations. Okay. So um, the government will not support these stations anymore. They used to. Mm-hmm. But they won't do it anymore because of uh, what's called community FM. So, station like Inner FM is losing two hundred, uh, two uh, twenty million and thirty million yen a month, mm. and they have to pay for the antenna rental. The antenna is mm. on top of Tokyo Tower, mm. and that costs a lot of money. It costs a million dollars, like a a year about to run that antenna. They mm-hmm. can't get people to pay sp- proper sponsors. 
sponsoring anymore. I mean, they can get um, Lance Lee's parrot cage shop to do sponsors, <laughs> but but they can't they can't get you know Nissan, Toyota. Right, the they can't airline. get any big sponsors, right? Yeah, they can't get any mm-hmm. mm. because because of the internet now. The big sponsors just well, why won't we just promote our own web page? Right, right, right. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, once they started, once everyone started going online, that changed the dynamics of everything. And you said you're yeah. starting to you're really going to push your online station and what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. believe that's going to be a really big. Um, yeah, the future. I would when. It's going to you be know, the future, you said. All right. Yeah, when um, InterFM canceled my show, I was really upset. After 23 years, I'd been there. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, what am I going to do? So I went to see um, a guy named Yu Sasamoto, who's the president of Twitter. He's mm-hmm. a really good friend of mine, old friend. And we just talked, and he said, you know what you should do? You should do digital radio mm-hmm. because that's the future. And concentrate on doing that. Don't try to get another FM radio show because it's over mm-hmm. for FM. In fact, um, most people don't know this, but your smartphone mm-hmm. has an FM tuner in it, yes. tuner chip, but it's not turned on to FM. They use it for GPS. Okay, that's okay. That's what's guiding you around from yeah. From and, your- and, FM stations have, you know, pleaded with Apple and whatever the Android companies and stuff to put, turn on the FM chip, but they won't do it. Mm-hmm. And they basically just said no. <laughs> like <laughs> it was, um, I don't know, 2017 or something like that mm-hmm. when they absolutely decided no. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm concentrating on internet radio and just trying to expand the station COVID has really messed things up but i would like to be on in 100 countries and um 100 stations Mm -hmm. so my model is wolfman jack okay because wolf wolfman jack back in the 50s couldn't get on any american radio stations nobody would have him right yeah nobody would have him (laughs) so he he went down to mexico and gave his just gave his show to these stations and these mexican fm stations are super powerful i mean there's a station in mexico that you can hear it in minnesota wow because they don't have regulations like that and he built his whole empire from scratch like that so that's my model the wolfman the wolfman jack (laughs) yeah there you go there you go yeah, so you know, I really, I really like that kind of independent-minded. Um, what what do you call it? Um, I'm, for, I'm forgetting English. Um, that's okay. Entrepreneur spirit. I, I really like that a lot, and that's why I got fi- I've been fired from most FM stations. Yeah, but you came up with I, what, what I can imagine, Mike, is you can't. You had too many ideas, and they happen to be good ideas, and you weren't the one that owned the company, and. They didn't want to hear it from one of their subordinates. <laughs> yeah, well, like Good Morning Garage was super popular, and it had four major sponsors. We had um, AU, KDDIAU. We had um, Fiat, mm-hmm. and um, what's the tire company called? Some Italian tire company, big, a big company. Oh, Pirelli, Pirelli? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's it. And we had Delta Airlines okay. and yeah. Apple. And Apple as well. Wow, that's fine. Because and Apple does not sponsor radio shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
but you know, so they wanted um, to get in because they had they weren't big in Japan yet. All right. Yeah. So um, that was by far the biggest show in the history of that station. Mm -hmm. And one day they just canceled it, mm. and they said we're going to move you guys to six o'clock in the evening. And I was like. Are you crazy? We, you got a car company, a tire company. Everybody wants to advertise the morning drive time people. Mm -hmm. So, actually, I kind of dropped off right. from that. I told I'm not going to do the 6 p.m. show. Right. Right. But they kept it up, and my other two assistants, they kept doing it. And then one day, Inter FM called me up on the phone, and they said, can you please come back? And I was like, why? Because they're fighting on air what on the show yeah oh yeah the, those guys they used to they, they would fight or just bicker okay you know, little snide right, right, remarks right. and stuff. it was real and you knew it was real yeah People it's, could it's, tell. the listeners could tell it was real right yeah so the sales manager called me and said please come back mm -hmm. and i said oh well all right just for a while and you did yeah wow. no because i was the manager of those two guys okay so I couldn't afford them to screw things up for themselves. I was like, what's wrong with you guys? Right. You know, I'm sure Lance, you had the same kind of experience with staff. It's like, what, what's your problem? Well, not quite, not quite. <laughs> Mine's a little bit different when I, a different kind of business. So tell me, so right now, what you're doing, do you have staff now? Or are you doing most of it on your own? Like a lot of other people. Um, I have a staff running my website in the United States and doing management for, for me in the United States. Mm -hmm. And then I have another staff person who handles the social media stuff. Right. He's in the United States. Okay. And then I have a girl here who helps me. Um, we have to make a cue sheet when you make a radio show, mm -hmm. you know, from, from zero, zero, whatever this song plays until three minutes and 21. And you, you got to write that stuff down. But if you're doing the show, you don't have time to do that. So you need someone to do it for you. Okay. Yes, you got to have someone to do it for you or listen to the show after you've done it and then write it down. And I'm just not into that at all. Right. Mm. So, good. so there's, there's four of us mm -hmm. now doing, doing this show. That's good. That's good. And how yeah. long are your shows? How long are your shows? An hour? One hour? My, my Mike Rogers show is two hours long. Two hours long. Okay. And then I do a one hour, the same, the name of the show is the same a one hour show at, uh, FM in Kyushu, Love FM, mm -hmm. 76.1. And then I do another show um, at Chofu FM here in Tokyo. Right. And then I do another um, show um, on Helsinki Radio. Helsinki Radio is a huge station. I mean, it's bigger than J-Wave or any of these stations. And I'm on that station there. It's really difficult to communicate with those guys. <laughs> but they they speak Finnish. Oh, Finnish! Oh, I see. Okay. But I got the show. I got, I got the show because a really really famous concert promoter mm -hmm. introduced me to them mm -hmm. and said you got to hire this guy. And they were like, no. And it took like maybe eight months for me to get that job. Now they love me. Wow. If so, somebody wanted to get into the business that you're in, how would you? What would you suggest they do? What would be some of the first steps? Um. Right now, if you I like think the, what they're doing, yeah, the music. Yeah, yeah well, they've got to ha have a music policy. Okay. Play, play a certain kind of music, you know, whether it's jazz or whether it's you know, 
mainstream rock is like not a good job. All the mainstream rock DJs are really old guys like me, but um, you do jazz or you do hip hop or you do, you do whatever. And you, you focus on that. Do you know, have you ever heard of the hedgehog concept? Yes. No, no, I've yeah. never heard of the concept. No, I've heard it. Go on. A hedge, hedgehog co concept is the hedgehog for defense can only do one thing. And that's curl up in a ball and have his spikes stick out. That's okay. all he can do. So the fox will try to catch the hedge, hedgehog and eat him. But every time the fox jumps out, whatever, whatever way he does, the hedgehog just goes into a ball and sits there. So the fox can't get to him and leaves him alone. So this is the same as like a baseball player or whatever. For example, a baseball player who can, who, who like a, is a, what's called a utility man. Mm -hmm. He can play first base, he can play catcher, he can play outfield, he can do whatever. No one has ever become famous doing that. Mm -hmm. But if you are a pitcher and you can like come in and like fireballs and strike out three guys, you will be very famous <laughs> <laughs> and you will make a lot of money. So that's the hedgehog concept. So for me, I am an Indies, Japanese Indies radio disc jockey, mm -hmm. and I'm the only one in the world doing this. Even on FM radio in Japan, nobody plays Japanese Indies music. So you think it's just a matter of time before, bingo, your time's going to come around. They're going to pull your car. Your ring's yeah. Gonna, yeah. E either that or I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Become famous that way. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, got to think about these things, you know. But... um. So that's what you so you suggest if someone wants to get into this business into the broadcasting business with music they should stick to one genre basically absolutely absolutely because okay. if you spread yourself out what mm -hmm. what happens is is you're, when you're young you might get a job right and you won't get paid well but if you're okay with doing anything then mm -hmm. you get older mm -hmm. you get 30 40 and there's going to be another 18 year old come along who's going to willing to do anything and you're going to be out of a job Right, I got you. So I used to know this guy who was the one of the most famous chefs in the world. And he worked for Sheraton. And all he did was go around to all the Sheraton hotels around the world. And he taught them how to make pastries. Mm -hmm. And I used to meet him in the morning before going to the show. And we used to sit and chat. And he was so such an interesting guy. And he said to me, Mike, you have to focus on doing one thing. So for example, my job, there's like a French, I don't know what a French Toffler pastry. And if you go to this Sheraton hotel in Hong Kong, or you go to the Sheraton hotel in Tokyo, or you go to the Sheraton hotel in New York, they're all the same. They taste the same. They're exactly the same. And he said, I love McDonald's. And I was like, what? And he said, I love McDonald's because all their hamburgers everywhere, they're the same. They're exactly the same. No, that is the key. Yeah, that is the key. You have to be an expert at making this, just this one thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't need to know a lot of things. Right, right. Just You have to be the world's best. And as you get older, more and more people will drop off this business. But if you're known, like you... You are the world's number one pastry guy. Everyone knows. Mm -hmm. And you'll always have a job. That's interesting. Yeah. So. That's interesting, yeah.
I'm sure he's probably retired by now because he must be 80 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, that was a really interesting story. So you see from, from this time going forward, you see yourself continuing with your broad, broadcasting, of course, because you want to make yourself known in that area. Yeah. And what else? Anything else you're doing outside of that? Because um, you're doing movies too, aren't you? You're writing scripts. Yes. I, I write scripts and make movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm running, like I, I just mentioned, the JIFF Film Festival. That's going to be November 16th and 17th. Have you, How have I you got... made any movies as of yet? Oh, yes. I've made two movies. What are they? What are the names of those two? One's called Ghost Roads, an, uh, a Japanese rock and roll ghost story. Okay. And it world premiered at Sunday, um, Rain Dance. Okay. And then the next year, I made another film uh, documentary about called uh, Matsuchio, Life of a Geisha. And it, it's about a real geisha. None of this, like, I'm sorry, BBC, but none of this, the life of a geisha. Here's 22-year-old Junko. It's like, no, she's not a geisha. Right. This woman's like 83 years old. She's mm-hmm. president of the Geisha Guild. She's still doing geisha. She started doing geisha, like, right after the war ended. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been doing just been doing it for years and she's got so many old photos like hey there you are edward g robinson wow holy he was my mom and dad's favorite gangster guy you know and she's got so many pictures like that a really famous where can we find your films um you you can watch matsuchio at the japan international film festival Mm -hmm. ghost roads i sold it to a japanese um, major film company and they control the rights to it for probably two more years Okay. in Japan so you can in the states you can see it in um, I think Amazon what's called Amazon Prime right and um, in the U- UK you can see it there too okay and Masakio so, our life of a geisha is gonna where, where would you you won't be able to see that except for at rain dance no, no, you can see that at JIFF. JIFF. No, 16th and 17th. Yes. Okay. Free. So that, was, that was a recent movie you just made or what? Yeah, that was made in 2018. Okay, so you just, that just came out. Okay. So, I, so that, I made that movie and then um, I won an award for a producer mm-hmm. and, uh, from Raindance. And then they asked me to be a jury member. Mm. So now I'm a... I I believe I'm a jury member for life at Rain Dance because they 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 want somebody who like um a lot of people want to be a jury member at Rain Dance. It's just status. Mm-hmm. But in my case, um they didn't have any like musicians, movie uh music producers, people like that. So they asked me to judge um music videos and I judge documentaries too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you do this in a, a way. So, this isn't something the public will see at all when you're judging. It's not like, no. okay, so it's something you just do on the side and then you put in your input and then they, we yeah, I vote. All the judges vote for which film is best or whatever. But I imagine that, um, I think I'm not sure, like the uh, music video section is there's probably four people or so judging. Uh-huh. And then you give you give a score of five or a four, and then they accumulate the scores, and then they pick the winner. Do you get compensated for doing that? Um, I get to go to London. Oh, that's nice. Every year, and okay. everything's paid for. That's so nice. 
That's a compensation, yeah. yes. That's nice. Well, wow. <laughs> London's okay. London's okay, Lance, but no, I've been nothing, to London. I've been to London. Nothing works. <laughs> nothing works there. It's old. It's old. it's old. it's old. It's old. That's why they t- they cherish history because everything there is historic. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time I go there, there's a train strike. The cobble roads, the cobble roads, everything. Yeah, I've been to London. Yeah. I know. Every time I go there, there's a train strike or there's a bus strike <laughs> or there's a taxi strike. It's right. Every time I go there. And and then the, like the place, the hotel I'll be staying in, I get there and pull out <laughs> my PC and start using it and use it for a couple right hours. Now. And all of a sudden, it's gone. It's gone, right. Yeah, it's gone for like three or four days. Right. No, or the no, shower. Or the shower. They only have cold water and you go, come on. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I'm telling you. So what am I paying for then? Listen, let me. So you, you have a movie that obviously you, you just worked on. I'm assuming you worked on. And that's what you just got through having the meeting about. Was that yes. a movie that you just worked on that you can't talk about? You're not at the well, 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 no, I, I, can, I can tell you roundabout details. So um, after I made Ghost Roads, a lot of people asked me like, okay, you're going to make another one? Going to make a sequel? And I, this new movie uh, I wrote with a Stephen David Brooks. Actually, Stephen wrote most of it. It's just my name. No, anyway, um, Stephen told me something, and Stephen is a Stephen King approved writer. He wrote Stephen King's movie um, Mangler. Okay, I didn't see so, that. So, so anyway, um, um, he's a pretty famous guy, and he he said to me, "Look, let's make a movie again, or well, let's make a movie, but I don't want to premiere at Raindance." I don't want to do that. I want to premiere at Cannes or Berlin. And so we need to make a movie that has like a big budget, mm-hmm. like, you know, millions of dollars mm-hmm. to make this movie. So I said, well, okay, that's fine. So we wrote this movie script and I, th- I, I think it's a really good movie script. And we got uh, a famous Japanese to appear in it. Mm-hmm. And when was it yesterday? Um, I had a meeting with uh, the director and some other people and um, we went through the contracts and everything and it looks like this movie's going to happen. And okay. I'm happy about that. That's wonderful. That's good. Yeah. So, so, so if it does happen, how long do you think it'll take before you'll, it'll be out? A year, two years? Yeah, probably a year. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at 2021, 2022, maybe 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. But, um, it, and we are expecting to world premiere it at Berlin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Berlin is a huge film festival. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it for 50 years or something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> are you going to have anything? Are you going to have anything to do with the Olympics? 2020? Well, actually I was hired by a, um, Japanese TV station to mm-hmm. do all the announcements for the Paralympics. Okay. So I was all happy this year. Yeah, all this right. announcement gonna come in and then I've done one. <laughs> <laughs> and I told them, nah, you know, it's it's okay. It's not your fault that everything's you know, nothing's happening and right. um, still gonna go, you know they're gonna do it in twenty twenty one. They're still gonna do the Olympics. Yeah, they're but still- nobody's gonna come here. 
Huh? No one's going to come. Of course, it's going to be virt uh, virtual. Everyone's going to be watching online, but there's still some of the athletes are going to come, and whoever comes is going to have a chance, of course, to make Olympic history. But that's going to be wow. That that's a good point, Lance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have more of a chance of of you getting sure killed walking across the street than you do of catching Corona and dying here. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Almost anywhere, unless you have pre-existing condition, you know. Or so. you're obese. I read an article. No, that's, no but that's, but that's a pre-existing condition. Yeah. That's, that's I what's causing it. I read an article the other day about from an American doctor who worked with a Japanese doctor, and they had come to the conclusion that in America, so many people are dying from corona because they're obese. There you go. So... And some people think some people some most people identify obesity with the size, but that's not well. That is true. Mostly, it is that's what it is. I was thinking yeah. about being diabetic, because you don't have to be large to be diabetic, and and you know, um, too diabetic. Yeah, but they are. Yeah, most obese people are diabetic. They are. They are. And they say, but they said that this coronavirus, from what I understand, is mostly um, it attacks the lungs because it's a respiratory virus. Yeah. And yeah. If you're already having trouble with your with your lungs, and um, this just doesn't help any. So, no. Yeah. Who was that um, famous Japanese um, comedian who died? Shimura Ken. Shimura Ken, and he yeah he was he had pre-existing conditions. I believe he was diabetic. He was an he was um, an avid drinker, and smoker. Oh, he! I heard he smoked four packs a day. He was yeah. He was really, and I'd see him sometimes. Every now and then I'd see him in the Juban, Azabu Juban. Oh. He lives close by here. Yeah, he doesn't live far from this area. And I see him getting out of his roles. And he had a driver. And uh, the times I saw him. And he mm. in a small guy, but still his insights were just all. <laughs> yeah. Just, I really liked Shimura Ken. I he liked was, his he, comedy. He was a very good comedian. He was. He, he, he that was a sad time. I felt he yeah. I, I enjoyed what he did. But he, he, he had a good life. He made a lot of people happy. Probably his his style of humor would not fly today. It was too slapstick, but it was it was really <laughs> slapstickish, you know. That's well, what he, but it's also the group the, that he was with. But you remember the guy that was ahead of his group? I forget the name of the group. The the four of them, and he had the taller uh, guy was the one the lead, and they were tunnels, uh, tunnels, right? The tunnel. They were the tunnels, right? Yeah. And um, the older guy passed away. I think it was cancer as well. Yeah, but way so, I mean way before. Okay, that was several. That was a couple of decades ago. He died. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So wow, anyway, this has been fantastic. I, can, I miss you. you. You're great. I, I really love the sexist jokes too. Oh, he, did, <laughs> he did so many things. He was something. He was something. Oh, this, can we talk about sexism in Japan? You can talk about whatever you want here. Sure. Anyway, um, I, I used to be an executive at um, TV Tokyo owned Inter FM. So I was general manager. So um, we used to have these meetings and uh, these young girls' secretaries would bring tea in and their cups of coffee or whatever. And I'm just, I'm not, don't think of myself as being sexist at all. And I used just to, just to be nice to people. And the girl would bring the coffee and I'd say, hey, do you have any sugar? And she'd say, oh, no, I don't have any. I'd say, oh, no, no, dear. Just put your pinky finger in it. That'll make it sweet <laughs> enough. And then people, people are, the girl would laugh and the people around me, some of them would say, that's really sexist. You can't say that. I was like, really? Well, they, weren't, they weren't Japanese that were saying that. You mean some of the foreigners? Yeah. 
And they had to be American, most more likely American foreigners. And and I was just like, no, it's just I'm just being nice to her, right. you know. Right, right. And uh, people said you can say that, but nobody else can say that. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Okay, well, I'll be careful. I got in trouble. I got in trouble the other day. We had a meeting with a bunch of university students. Okay. On Zoom, and they have you know you can see everyone's face there, mm -hmm. and they introduced everyone there. And I said to the Japanese guy, oh, "You know, all all your students they're they're really pretty, and the guys are handsome." And that was considered a sexist remark. Oh come on! And I was like, "What what's wrong?" I didn't say like you know, oh, I'd like to get a hold of that. I didn't say anything like that. I was just like, "Oh, you you girls are all really pretty, and you, the guys are really handsome." It's really nice, you know. Well, it's true. In this country, there are so many pretty people and there's so many handsome men, you know, I guess. But yeah. I'm more into the pretty women. Hey, listen, Mike, <laughs> how, can, how can people contact you or, 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 or find out about your show? Before okay, I have, a, I have a webpage and it's www.mikerogersshow.com. Mm -hmm. And that's run by these guys in the States, but there's a mail uh, forum there. And then the mails are forwarded to me. I don't know how they do it. I'm not into this high tech stuff. <laughs> I'm into Radio Shack. You know what I'm saying? That's the technology I'm into. <laughs> Mike, I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast. I'll let you know when it's out. I'll be I'll send you up. And this this won't be the last one. I'm going to have you back on again. Okay. But Lance, did you see my email? What you what I wrote about what you should name this show? Oh yeah, I saw that. Well, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know if that would go. I don't think that would fly. Because <laughs> we are right next to the Russian embassy, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I remember in the 70s and the 80s, oh, there were on. rumors that there were like radios buried. <laughs> we're, we're, we're right next to the Russian embassy. As a matter of fact, when we built the new club, um, when we built the new club, we asked them if we could dig at an angle underneath mm -hmm. the embassy, their property, and they said, no way. So we had to right. Straight up vertical, straight up and down on the side. But in the other properties around on the other side of us, because we have one street on the side, on the other side, they allowed us to go at an angle. Because we need mm -hmm. that just to secure the base of the the foundation. But there, hey. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Why they're right why we're right next door to each other. I've always suspected there's something going on. <laughs> you know, I don't kind think it's quite on this side. But kind so, of a get smart, get smart you know type what I mean? something. <laughs> I think so. So, listen, all right. Well, this one I so did record. That. This one I did record, and okay. uh, I'll begin it. I hope this this mic isn't feeding back because it's hearing. No, it's not it's plugged feeding in. Back. It won't feed back at all. I, I don't hear any feedback. Okay, because it's it's it's. I see the mic. I see it registering every time you speak. It's well, that's because it's coming out your speaker. It is it's coming out the speaker here, but that won't. So, that I, won't I don't think so. Okay, I hope not. Well, everyone's gonna find out. The people that are listening to it and the people that look at it. And okay. uh, I set the setup differently today. Um, I'm trying new things. This is only the fourth podcast. Okay. But thank you again, Mike. I mean, no, I'm thank you, Lance. This, and um, this will be going out before by this by the end of um, next week. I'll have Great. Up so I, bra I brag to everybody that like I'm friends with the president of American Club. So you, you <laughs> bow your head to me. <laughs> 
I'm gonna tell everyone I know Mike Rogers. And they're gonna go, what? You don't know Mike Rogers? Say yes. He's a, he owes me ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, man. All right. All right. Take Thank care, buddy. And you have a great you. day. You too. See you later. All Bye. Right. Bye. Bye.